Oh, that's all right. Well, hey, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome back to the channel for today's installment of Open Mic, the show where the mic is open, the floor is yours. What topics do you guys want to discuss? That's what we're here to do here today. And there's two different ways for you to send in a topic for us to talk about. The first way is anytime, 24 hours a day, you can send in a question to our tip link that you can see right here at www.streamelements.com slash John Campia slash tip. Or if you happen to be watching live right now, you can use the super chat feature in the live chat to send in a question. And if your topic or question you know, is appropriate to be used on our show, we will address it here. I'm joined in studio, of course, by Ray Ora. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Voiko's here. <laughs> you're so subdued, I was expecting to be like, you know, blown away here, and you're just like, hey, what's up? I gotta say, <laughs> Ray just made macaroni and cheese pizza. Just yeah. out of, I've, I've never even heard of such a contraption. It's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle special, Mutant Mayhem Frozen Pizza. Oh, is that what it was? A Mutant Mayhem Frozen Pizza? <laughs> it was the last one of the five. Right. Of the five pizzas, all of them, all of them were normal. We had like the sausage, pepperoni, the supreme, the cheese, and then there was just a pepperoni one, and then the one with all four turtles on it was called mac and cheese pizza. I saved that one for the last. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. I just had a piece of it. Yeah, Ray, just Ray's in his forties. I just want everyone to know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also, something I discovered last week: if I line myself up just right, I could be the folding arms. Ahsoka. Oh, that's right. It looks like you are Ahsoka's folding Just judging arms. you all. Just got to scale your picture up yeah. a little bit, and it's perfect. <laughs> um, and speaking of Ahsoka's folded arms, uh, before we get into the topics you guys sent in, um, I want to talk about Ahsoka just, just for a minute. Like For those of you who might have checked out um, the John Campy Show podcast a little bit earlier today, Rob and I were talking a bit about uh, the new Ahsoka series. Now, a little bit of background. I I have never liked the Ahsoka character, but I've I kind of slowly got on board with the character once they started using that character on Star Wars Rebels, which I really like that show. And then when they brought in Rosario Dawson to play her in Mandalorian, I I was really liked her iteration of it. So I was actually pretty damn excited for the Ahsoka series. Not gonna lie, the first three episodes were mediocre. Uh, there were some things that really annoyed me and wanted me to pull my hair out. Uh, but there was also <laughs> some really good stuff in it that showed a lot of promise, right? So overall, it kind of balanced out. The show has not, let's just say it's through, through the first three episodes, the show was not great, all right? It's been okay, but it has not been great. And then last night, episode four came out. And easily the best episode they've done in the series so far, the first truly Great episode. It was a great episode. Not none of this hyperbole bullshit of the greatest episode of Star Wars ever. No, 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 no it's not. Let's just stop that. No, it's not. But it is easily the best they've done in this series so far. And it was really good. And it kind of, for the first time that this, since this show has started, has shown the real promise of what this show can be. And I'm not even talking about the lightsaber fights or the stupid cameo at the end. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about this episode had the best writing out of the series so far, the best dialogue in the conversations between characters. We had our heroes facing true difficult dilemmas, like even moral and ethical dilemmas about what choice do they make. I love it when 
shows and movies put our characters in those positions. They did some really unexpected things like Ahsoka losing a fight to Balin. Um, they, they just did a lot of things that were just good, basic, foundational, good storytelling things. And they pulled them off and we ended up with a Star Wars episode that was really worthy of its name. I thoroughly enjoyed last night's episode. And again, <laughs> I, I, I did not like the very end, by the way. A lot of things, a lot of people who were big fans of the cartoons and stuff like that were really big fans of the very, very, very end when they pulled a Lord of the Rings and had, you know, Ahsoka pull her Gandalf moment. It's like, I died, but I was brought back. Wasn't she and on the uh, Bifrost at the end? Yeah, that's it. That's exactly. Oh, she's on the Bifrost. Yeah. No, she's so. in the World Between Worlds, which was introduced in Star Wars Rebels, which I, I didn't really like that whole thing. I don't like them trying to make that a thing in Star Wars, but whatever. And then they had Anakin pop up at the end, which, listen, I, it's, it's always, just blatant, pure, naked fan service. Like, ah! Who cares? Yeah, I mean, nice I don't even care Anakin. about that. Come on. No, no, listen, I'm not saying it's not nice to see him, but let's just call it what it is. Yeah. It's pure naked fan service. Then all the reactors got to cry and everything. And yeah, it's great. Well, that's the, what Jonathan was doing. And listen, and the funny thing is, I, I heard a bunch of people, I mentioned this on the show today, I heard a bunch of people complaining about the bad CGI in Anakin's face, the, the bad job they did on de aging him. But who cares? I didn't notice it. That doesn't, ch you didn't notice it? No, I wasn't because I wasn't watching. Oh, well, that, yeah, that would, that would make it watch. difficult to notice it then, yes. But to me, it didn't oh. matter. Like, yes, bad bad de-aging, yes. But who cares? It's The point is what's going on story-wise, right? And just because it's some bad de-aging doesn't take away from what's going on on the screen story-wise. And that's the important thing. I mean, if the de-aging had been magnificent, it wouldn't have made the scene any better. And if the de-aging on the face was even worse, it doesn't make the scene any worse. It's what's going on story-wise. That's the important to, thing. To clarify, I was actually watching it here. That's why I got in extra early so I could watch it. And uh, Jonathan came in, and I was the Anakin scene was on. And it, it wasn't until he pointed it out, like, oh, that's his face looks really bad, where it actually, where it actually noticed. I meant it in that way, where I was just, like, listening and watching this the actual scene, it wasn't until he pointed it out where I was like, oh, yeah, that is kind of bad. So, yeah, it almost looks like a piece of artwork, doesn't it? Like, it doesn't look like that's a live-action shot. Right. That looks like a piece of artwork. But, you know, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. It's the important thing is what's happening story-wise. So it got me thinking about, you know, and yeah, I think it was on Open Mic yesterday that I said, you know, Ahsoka's been whatever, like middle of the road. I, I, I really think episode four is going to be that point that's going to tell us is this going to be a crappy show or is this going to be a really good show and i mean the episode was great uh they did a, a fabulous job so the question because you know after rob and i were talking the other day i saw a comment come in asking do you think that episode saved the show and i'm actually going to say yes i think that episode four saved the show and and here's what i mean by that you could call it a new hope you might even call Whoa. it a new hope. Ah, well done. Well done. He's here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but I was, because it had been so mediocre and like some really good things, but some really terrible things as well, I I was getting ready to to tap out. I was getting ready to jump off it. If, if episode four hadn't have been as good as it was, I was probably, that was probably gonna be the last episode I was going to watch. And I guarantee you, I'm not the only one. 
I'm not saying a majority of the people, but I guarantee you there were probably a, a bunch of people, not the majority, but a bunch of people that were probably getting ready to, to tap out of the show. And because of that, and because of how good episode four, because it wasn't just a good episode, it was a great episode. Here's how it saved the show. Even if episode five is bad, and I'm not saying it's going to be, even if episode five is bad, I'm finishing this series now because that episode, episode four, showed how good this series can be. Like, because up until the end of episode three, I had no idea. It's like, what's the potential for this show? Is it this high? Is it this high? Is it this high? Is it only this high? I mean, because if the show can only get this good, then maybe it's not worth even sticking around for. But episode four came out and it's up here. And now we know how good the show can be. So even if episode five is bad, I'm going to go, well, crap, that was a bad episode, but I'm still tuning in for episode six, seven, and eight because we saw how good it can be. It, it makes it a lot easier too that they release it at six. I mean, you just get home from work, whatever, and it's on. It's like, you don't have to stay up for anything. I mean, what's on on Tuesdays? I mean, even if you're not digging the series, I see a lot more people watching it through just because of the early release. Oh, well, well yeah. It. Well, we talked about that a few yeah. weeks ago, right? Like their decision to move it off the midnight releases to primetime, like 6 o'clock p.m. for us, 9 p.m. for our friends on the East Coast, New York, Toronto, things like that. It is a a much, much, much smarter thing for them to do. And it has worked out really well. People are in better moods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're in better moods when they're watching. They're not either getting up really early to watch it or staying up super late to watch it. But I mean, again, for me, so that episode for at least me did save the series because before last night, before episode four, I, it was a coin toss about whether or not I was even going to finish watching the series. And because of how good this one episode is, yeah. I'm pretty much committed to now following it all the way through to the end. And I'm not the only one. And that's why, yeah, I, I really do think that that saved the series. I'm not going to lie. Even if this series was completely horrible, I'm watching it all the way through just because, you know, Ray Stevenson, it's his last, one of his last things. I, I yeah. mean, I like this, his character a lot, where even if everyone else was like pissing me off or if it was, I'll, I'll watch it through just to see where his arc ends up or where you know, how he dies or whatever. Well, I'll you tell you what, I mean? look, the, the, the star of this series isn't Ahsoka. It isn't Sabine. It's not even Hera. And I've, I've loved the way Mary Elizabeth Weinstead has played Hera, but I mean, and there, that's all good. And that's all fine. Balin. Yeah. Is the star of this show so far for me. He's Balin is the MVP of this show for me so far. He, he's, he's terrifying. One of the, he's he's terrifying, one of the best. And you know what makes him terrifying? Cause he really completely believes he's the good guy. He completely believes he's the good guy. And it's those villains that tend to be the most terrifying because behind them isn't greed. Behind them isn't cruelty. Behind them is a burning belief that what they're doing is right. Behind them is conviction. It's what made Chiwetel Ejiofor's The Operative in Serenity, one of the most terrifying villains I'd ever seen because he was driven by conviction. And I, I mentioned it in the podcast earlier today. But one of the best lines ever is when like, he doesn't just see himself as the good guy. He legitimately sees Ahsoka as the villain. He thinks Ahsoka is the bad guy, right? He talks about how she lies and all this kind of stuff. And when he's fighting her, there's that moment where they're, they cross sabers and they're kind of staring at each other. And he's like, says to her, 
you're about nothing but death and destruction. Like he, he really sees her as the monster. She's the bad guy. He's got conviction. He's got belief. And it's those villains that make the most terrifying because they can't be, when they're driven by conviction, they can't be scared off. They can't be bought off. They can't be talked down because they, at the very core of their belief, believe they are, what they are doing is right and good. No matter how much we as the audience might see and look at it from the outside and go, oh, dude, you're the bad guy. And, and that's made it so compelling. And the relationship between him and his apprentice is mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, right from episode one, Ray Stevenson has been the shining light of this series, continues to be. I, I got a feeling we're going to see other characters start to really elevate now uh, around him. Characters like Ahsoka, Sabine, things like that. What's his apprentice's name? I always- Nat, 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 Nati or Natty? I can't look it up. In the show? Yeah. That's, oh, oh, yeah. Look up the because character's Because I keep name. calling her Dakota Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning? No. no, no, no. Dakota Fannington. Fannikin. <laughs> Dakota Fannington. Fannington? It's uh, Shin Hati. Shin, sorry. Shin. Shin, Shin Hati. Uh, Shin Nati. So N is oh, of the second name. Shin. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I just think they're great. Although the one part, the one part, Anne started yelling at the TV because you got that scene. It was a great scene where, where you've got um, Ahsoka dueling what was the character's merrick merrick is that the oh, name of the, the, oh, oh, you're talking oh, about the inquisitor the, yeah, yeah. the inquisitor guy he turned out yeah. to be like a knight brother right. anyway ahsoka's fighting him and you got sabine ren fighting uh shin and ahsoka strikes down i'm I, i'm sure it's the wrong answer i'm saying it's merrick i think it's merrick Let anyway me so ahsoka strikes him down and shin is clearly bothered by this right but you got this you got this shot. This is where the part where Anne started yelling at the TV. This dude here. Yes. Shin is, Shin's just looking over, seeing her comrade fallen. And she's just like not even looking at Sabine. Sabine's standing right beside her with her lightsaber. And Shin's just looking over at Merrick. And Anne is like, stab her. <laughs> like, it's, she's not even looking at you. She's got her guard down. Fucking stab her. <laughs> And like she's just yelling at the TV because like oh okay I know who you're talking about yeah for like for a good solid minute she's just standing there defenseless Marak and shit Marak M A R R O yeah I was pronouncing it Marak but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Marak is probably right she could have just stabbed her or whatever but it's like whatever maybe it was an honor code made some Mandalorian thing I don't know so she decided to let her go but great scene and um, you know what I just noticed too what's that they have orange orangey lightsabers yeah not not. Not Sith red. They got some bangle, some bangle. They got lightsaber. some bangle colors going yeah, on. Yeah, finally a lightsaber blade I could buy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, listen, I am now very, very excited about seeing the next episode. I, I mean, I'm also nervous that they'll go back to the crappy ways of episodes one, two, and three. But it could be another episode four, and um, I've it has renewed my hope. It has renewed my enthusiasm for the series. And maybe if this was a 24-episode season, it might not be enough to carry me all that way through, but it'll certainly carry me through eight. And we still need to uh, meet Ezra and Thrawn. Yeah. I I mean, okay, I I will admit that is one thing that still kind of irks me a bit. It's like, and and it's only because the marketing threw Thrawn's name over everything. Thrawn, 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 Thrawn. Look, there's Thrawn. Look, here's Thrawn again. Ooh, there's the back of Thrawn's head. Ooh, look how red Thrawn's eyes are. Like it was, Thrawn was all over the market, all over it. 
and we are now halfway through the series and we still haven't seen him. And, and I, I would have been, I would be more okay with that if the fa- they just kind of mentioned Thrawn once or twice, gave us one quick glimpse and that was it. And then didn't keep saying Thrawn every other word in the marketing. But it, it, again, whatever, episode four was a big win. Let's see how things go as we roll into episode five. You're probably going to get your Thrawn show anyways, right? Don't you think he's a big enough character where he would get his own show? Like if, if, if coming off of something? No. You, th- no, you think but he's, he just, will be... he's just like a baddie that baddie of the I, I still think there's a lot of average Star Wars. Look, the majority of Star Wars fans, like not fanatics, but Star Wars fans are average movie-going fans. Mm. And they, I think there's still a big percentage of them that have never even heard of Thrawn. They didn't watch the cartoons. Uh, they didn't read the Heir to the Empire series. So... I, I, I think it's safe to say the majority of people who would count themselves as Star Wars fans have never even heard of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, only us uh, like uh, hardcore insiders. So I don't know. We'll see. All right, guys, listen. It's time for us to start taking your topics and questions, which is what we are here to do. But before we do, we're going to take a quick second here and thank a couple of sponsors of our show here today, our friends at HelloFresh and DraftKings. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part and you get to take the credit. HelloFresh takes the stress out of mealtime by delivering fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your door. So this fall, skip that extra trip to the grocery store and have dinner ready in no time with America's number one meal kit. Like we've mentioned before, Ann and I are both working professionals and mealtime is sometimes a bit stressful. That's why we absolutely love HelloFresh. It's nutritious, it's delicious, and we actually have a really good time making dinner together. So guys, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 Campia and use the code 50 Campia for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50Campia and use the code 50Campia. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, DraftKings. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you just bet five bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. So download now and use the code CAMPIA to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting five bucks. That's code CAMPIA only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And thank you to our friends at HelloFresh and DraftKings for sponsoring this episode. 
All right, guys, with that down, let's get over to your questions here, shall we? Jonathan, what do we got up first? Garden Variety Vagabond says, did you read the article in PC Gamer that the ultra horniness in Baldur's Gate 3 was actually a bug? They were trying to fix low interaction ratings in the code and, well, overcorrected. Uh, I had not heard about that. There's, yeah, mm, there's there's a lot of uh, the horniness in Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, I'd say about a good one-third of the dialogue um, presents yourself with the option or opportunity to either flirt or straight up. Um, there, there's one line of dialogue I came across mm -hmm. where a character, uh, uh, Lazelle, mm -hmm. the character Lazelle, mm -hmm. where she says to you one morning, fascinating, I, how was it? Um, I drained you dry last night, and yet you seem none the worse for wear. I was like, hey, that just gives you a little bit of insight and the type of stuff. There's, there's some filthy in this game. Oh, there so definitely a, is, but whatever. It's, a, it's a fabulous game. It's there's a, fabulous a milk game. machine in that game? Yes, right? yes. That's exactly. It's a milk yep. machine. Yep. Yes. Got him. 100% what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? Dan the villain says, did you guys hear that the game Stray is going to get its own animated film? It was one of my favorite games last year. Thoughts? Yeah, Ray was um, playing that. We yeah. were actually going to talk about that as a topic this morning, but we just we filled up. We had we had too many topics to discuss already for, for the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, listen, it was a very popular game. Uh, we even sat down. Ray played it for a bit. Sci-fi cat with a backpack on, going around the city, talking yeah. robots. It's, it's, and I hate cats. Like yeah. I, I was waiting. I, I was cheering every time the cat would get hurt when Ray was playing it. I'm like, yeah, but, but, honestly, super popular. Uh, an animated format for that is a great idea. I don't know if it's going to be, I couldn't tell from the quick read that I did whether it's going to be like a full theatrical or like a, a streaming straight to home video sort of thing, but it's a good idea. So it's going to be a cyberpunk Puss in Boots. <laughs> That's maybe exactly no, what I mean, what, what else do you want to say? Yeah. <laughs> if it's animated, it's going to be another animated. But yeah, they did say it was going to be animated. So yeah. it, it seems like a good approach for it. Yeah. All right. What's next? Oh, we got Castaway who writes, hey, John. I'm I sorry, I got interrupt. What? Oh, okay. Iceness in the live chat just said Chris Pratt as Stray. Of course, the, the big joke going around everywhere is that Chris Pratt's okay. wide to voice everything. Yeah. I don't know about his Italian voice with the. <laughs> it's a me, Stray. It's me, Stray. All right, I'm sorry. Please right. continue. So Castaway says, hey, John, I too saw the Bike Riders trailer. From what I understand, Jody Comer's vo voice is uh, the same as. How the lady spoke in the recordings, she was all over the place. It's very authentic. Yeah, I guess. So I we talked about the bike riders trailer that came out. Again, mm -hmm. I, I've been fascinated by this for a couple of reasons. One, Tom Hardy, Austin Butler, Jodie Comer. Um, but and and I, you know, Sons of Anarchy is one of my top three all-time favorite television shows. I was a little put off by by some of the accents in the trailer, but like I said. It could be like the Chris Pratt thing, right? Maybe I just need to hear it in context of the movie itself rather than just in a little clip here and there. So I, I am hoping that it works out because I love all those performers. I'm looking forward to the movie. And uh, I mean, hell, I mean, Ann and I almost bought a couple of Harleys. Like that's well, how much we love Sons of Anarchy. We really started, we started researching and looking at buying his and her Harleys. We almost got them. But So this is based off tr like real Yeah, I believe it's based on oh, true, okay. true events. Yeah. That. All right, what's next? Edwin writes, hey, John, John and Ray, uh, and Rob. Rob's not here, but do you guys think that DC fandom uh, will make its return late next year in 2024? I personally think it might because if the new DCU starts in 25, it would make perfect sense in order to build more hype. No. 
I, I don't think it's going to return, and I don't think they need it. Uh, I think it was a very good idea given the context and the time that they did DC Fandom, right? Um, this complete virtual event. Uh, it, the first one was great. The second one was dog shit. I, I mean, it just was. And with us no longer living in a pandemic and, and all that kind of stuff, there's just no need for it. There, Listen, you really could boil everything down to, without making a big event out of it, you can just drop some trailers and drop some announcements and everything's mm -hmm. fine. But really, with the not only with San Diego Comic-Con, but now you've got the, you know, New York City Comic-Con has grown and grown and grown. That one in Brazil, I, I keep forgetting what the C name C of it is. CCCXP, C C C like XPWQY, yeah, explanation like point, whatever it's called. It's becoming monstrous. And a lot of people pay attention as those events are going on and announcements are made at those things. And... I just think that's a much better venue for them. I, again, the second DC fandom, it, it's hard to describe just how bad it was. It was painful to watch. There are a few highlight moments, but I mean, it was just terrible uh, as opposed to the first one, which I thought was really well done and really well put together. But I don't, I don't <laughs> see them. do Again, I've got no insider information here. Like James Gunn hasn't emailed me and said, we're never doing DC fandom again. So they very well might, but my guess is they won't do it because there's no need to do it and there's better ways for them to promote their material, I think. That's just my th thing. All right, what's next? Okay, we got Dwayne Fernandez who writes, uh, Hey, John Vulture just published an article on how a PR firm has been paying some smaller critics for reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, breaking uh, teams. Terms and conditions. Yeah. Glad they caught this so they can avoid this for future. Okay, well, I'm, I'm familiar with what you're talking about. First of all, Vulture... Didn't expose this. This actually got exposed a little while ago. Like that particular thing got exposed a little while ago. But to, for those you don't know what we're talking about, put it in context. So there was a uh, PR firm, uh, not a big one either, called Man. I want to call. I want to say Doc Fifteen. I can't remember the exact name. Something like that. that. That was the name of the PR firm. Something like that. At any rate. So. What they what happened with them is they were hired to represent this uh, smaller movie that I believe Daisy Ridley was in. Oh, it's Ophelia. Uh, 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 right, that's Oph the one. Ophelia. So, and what they did was they got. Now I want you to understand the number here too. Okay, eight. The number is eight. They reached out to eight, or at least they did this with eight small critics who are on who are on Rotten Tomatoes. And offered to pay them something in the neighborhood of $50 to write a review for it. And it's specified, just to be clear, that it didn't have to be positive. Like, even if you didn't like the movie, you didn't like the movie, right? But they just wanted to pay them to actually think. Now, even just paying them to do a review mm -hmm. is a violation of the terms and conditions of Rotten Tomatoes. That's a violation. I... Uh, twice have been paid to write reviews, all right? Both times I started my review with, just so everybody knows, such and such company approached me and asked me if I would take a look at this and they would pay me to review it as long as they understood that I can give a positive and I let my audience know right away and I never put that review up on Rotten Tomatoes. Because you gotta you gotta fully disclose if that's gonna happen. So it's happened for me twice. Fully disclose it right at the beginning of my reviews. 
move forward. Although the last time that happened was years and years and years ago. But anyway, it's a violation thing. And from what I understand, those have all been removed from Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I also want everybody to keep in mind too, that there are 3,000 registered critics on Rotten Tomatoes. The number of people involved in this was eight, which equates to 0.2%. So one-fifth of 1% that this happened with. And they got caught. They got they got uh, kicked off the platform. And I'm sure there are going to be some other repercussions for the ad agency as well that participated in it. So it, it was... And again, I get it. The ad agency maybe thought they weren't breaking rules, like by saying, hey, we're just asking you to review it. I mean, if you don't like it, maybe don't post your review, but we're not paying you for a good review. Just we're paying you to review it. Maybe they didn't think they were breaking the rules, but they were very clearly breaking the rules. They got caught. They got busted. The critics who were involved got terminated. So mm. all's well that ended. But I, but I want it to be very, very clear here that this wasn't some mass conspiracy. It was literally one-fifth of 1% of, of the, the people involved. So it, very strict rules there, and they they got caught. The system worked, and uh, they move on. But I'm glad they I'm, You're right. I'm glad they got caught. All right, what's next? Chris Miner writes, which meal from a movie would you have out of the three? The cheeseburger from the menu. The cheeseburger from the menu. I don't even know what the other ones have to be. Go ahead, read the other ones, but I know it's that Mine's one. Mine's number two, the Cubano sandwich from Chef. That also looked great. And, or Ratatouille from Ratatouille. Which also looked fantastic. I never two. had Ratatouille before seeing the movie Ratatouille, and I very shortly after seeing the movie, I went out and got Ratatouille. The Cubano in Chef looks fantastic, but... The cheeseburger that Rafe finds makes at the end of the menu mm -hmm. looks like the kind of thing that would change your life. Um, it, I, I walked out and my mouth was salivating for days after seeing, and all Ann and I wanted to do for days was go find the very best cheeseburgers we could in the city. So, oh yeah, in and out. Uh, oh, you, you shut your dirty whore mouth. Ugh. Never say that in and out. It's garbage. Uh, but you go with the Cubano? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to follow that up. But yes, I would go with the Cubano for it sure. It look good. Just because that meat looked like there was no it, fat. It, it was just so, the color, the everything. There are a number of things. By the way, if you guys have not seen John Favreau's Chef, I'm not talking about the Netflix. Mm -hmm. I mean the movie version. Yeah. Very, very good. You should check it out. All right. What's next? Uh, the Daily Prophet writes, Hey, I was just wondering, do you watch the DC animated movies on Max? And if so, which one is your favorite? Mine is still under the red hood. Marvel and DC animated movies are garbage. All right, I'll answer then. <laughs> but, but let me finish and then I'll okay. let you go on. But there are exceptions. There are a couple of exceptions. I am in agreement with you that under the red hood is one of those exceptions. Uh, another one, uh, if you want to go, well... I don't count Mask of the Phantasm because that was a theatrically released film. I, usually when I say that their animated stuff is terrible, I'm talking about their straight-to-home video stuff. Mask of the Phantasm was great, but it was a theatrical movie. Uh, Under the Red Hood was definitely one of them. I think the Flashpoint Paradox was also pretty damn good. I, I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, on the Marvel side, their Doctor Strange animated movie was was pretty solid. I like that. But yeah, I I would have to say out of all their straight to home video fare that yeah, I got I got to agree with. That. I think Under the Red Hood. Under the Red Hood was 
surprisingly good. Like, I really like that one. I, um, I liked that one. That one's really good. Um, All-Star Superman, Red Sun. I believe this. Oh, Red Sun's another good I, one. Yeah. I think it was Public yeah, yeah. Enemies where they were animated like really buff. Where uh, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. And one last one was the Supergirl one. I really like that one. I think it wasn't called Supergirl, but it was called like Apocalypse or, or Dark whatever they hit it under a different name but it was really the supergirl story all right yeah. what's next um fangblaze 71 writes nothing takes you out of the moment more than the end credits of a show blasting the main theme right after a big sad moment at the end of an episode you know i remember uh, i can't remember which episode it was for but you know about every three years or so i do a rewatch of west wing which is one of the greatest television shows ever made. If if you've never seen The West Wing, you you even as a Canadian, I mean I I mean my God, it's such a good show, one of the best written shows ever. But it the end credits are this very pithy, like very da, 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 right. And there was this one episode that was coming to the end, and it was like kind of a dark end to an episode. And did it? I'm like. And any second now we're going to get, but it didn't do that. It played a different piece yeah, of music for the end credits. Like, oh, that's being very, very aware Yeah. because yeah, you're right. That can, that can take you, that can be a shock. Yeah. That can be jarring. Do you remember, this was jarring, but in a good way, you know, Game of Thrones always ended with very well toned credits yeah. each episode, but the episode where Jamie gets his hand chopped and it hard cuts to dropkick Murphy's. And it was just like, whoa. <laughs> Do you remember that? Like I don't nowhere. remember. I remember the episode. I don't remember the ending, though. Dude, That's you got to watch. Song, it's, it just drops to like to that like it, punk rock song. Blame it on the Starbucks cup. <laughs> All right. What's next? All right. Uh, Raymond is next. Uh, I'm laughing at the... Oh, I'm laughing at the superior intel intelligence from all the theories on who Merrick is. So I want... When you said laughing at the superior intelligence, I just started thinking of Wrath of Khan. Uh, when, <laughs> Yours then, is the superior intellect. Yeah. But then who is Sam Witwer voicing? Merrick didn't say anything. Oh, Merrick did speak. Yeah, he did. Uh, at least one line where she gave... Uh, Shin gave an order and he said, as you wish... Uh, not to be confused with Wesley from uh, Princess Bride. You wish. Um, I don't know. Maybe he was secretly in love with Shin too. But so there was at least that one line. Now I'm, I don't know that that was Sam Witwer. I I don't know if that was him or not. But they, he had at least one line. So so we know that. Uh, but yeah, there were a lot of theories. I really liked the theory. I knew they wouldn't do it. I knew they wouldn't have the balls to do. It, but I really did like the theory that it was Ezra. A turned Ezra. That would have been like dramatic as hell, but they didn't do that, and that's fine. Um, there was there were some other theories too, and it's like yeah, you know, it's great to fun again. Having theories and speculation is great. There is nothing wrong with speculation. What's the rule? Just don't let your speculation become expectation. As long as you don't do that, it's all good. So yeah, it was it was all fine. But that very well could have been Sam. That could have been Sam doing that. I'm not sure. All right, what's next? Okay, we've got uh, Raymond is back watching all the reaction videos from last night's Ahsoka episode. The emotional response to Anakin is Luke level. I mean, I don't know. I watched some of those. Give them their Academy Award, I guess. <laughs> uh, th th there's a difference, though, because I there's a difference. Between, I, I would not say it was Luke level. Like Luke showing up at the end of Mandalorian 
season two, that was just another level. Because again, it's it means a lot more to a lot more Star Wars fans. And it have been around a lot longer. Uh, but yeah, you could tell which of the reactions were from people who really liked watching Clone Wars and really liked watching the animated stuff or whatever. And, and that's great. Look, anything that gives somebody a good positive experience, like to me, it was flagrant, naked, cheap fan service. But who cares? If something happens in a show or a movie that gives some people, whether I'm included in them or not, a really good, fun experience, that's magic. It's magic. It's great. And just because I thought it was cheap fan service, I would never want to take that away from anybody else if they had a great experience with that. Man. So it's, it's, it's really good to see. I mean, bad de-aging, but hey, Luke had bad de-aging as well, right? When Luke showed up at the end of Mandalorian season two, he had bad CGI face mm -hmm. and it didn't take away from people's experience. So I don't know why this one would either. All right, guys, listen, we got a few more questions to get to, but before we do, we're going to take another moment here and thank another sponsor of today's episode. My mobile service provider saves me a ton of money every year and they should be yours. Our friends at Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before, I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring this episode all right guys let's get to the last bunch of questions that we have in here what's up next we got christopher brigner college football is popular in the u.s because not every state has an nfl team but there's a major local college team to root for alabama or the college team uh do better than the NFL team like Ohio. I I don't know that I subscribe to that theory uh, because in Canada, we have college teams where we don't have a CFL team, a professional team. And it, it's just college football in Canada is just not popular. Like just not at all. But we have the same situation you do. We have college teams in towns that don't have a professional team. Made no difference. And, you know, you've got a lot of, college teams in places where there are NFL teams and it's still wildly popular. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. How I mean, much not, not every state has an MLB team, but college baseball is not anything like college football. Exactly. Nowhere near the same level. Right. Uh, it's, I, I don't have an explanation for, it. I mean, I love football, so I'm all for it, but I have no idea why Americans love college football so much. I think it's great that they do. I just have no idea why. I mean, it's, it's, it's really uh, different. It's unique. All right. 
What's next? Uh, Michael Jones with a $20 super chat. Oh, thank you, Michael. <laughs> uh, Monday Barbie tied a record. It had 73.5% of its domestic box office after its opening weekend, tying The Force Awakens for best legs of any movie that made over $150 million. On its opening weekend, Barbie set the record on Tuesday. Uh, that is impressive. Like oh. that, because that shows that Barbie not only made a lot of money opening weekend, but it had, well, no pun intended, it had great legs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it just, it, making that much money after your opening weekend <laughs> is kind of phenomenal. Now, the IMAX re release too. I, I do want to put this into perspective, though. That, like going I want to put this into perspective, just how big this record is. Oh, wait, is that out already? The re-release? Of I'm what? Sure. Of Barbie, like in IMAX? Remember, they're supposed to do it in September, that one-week release? Oh, yeah, probably already did it, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, so, so bring up my screen here if you're able to. Okay, see at the top of that list, Barbie, $612 million domestically, right? That's huge. That's monstrous. That's great. I show you this because I want you to get a, a sense of the context for just how big this record is. As huge as Barbie is, that 73% mark, there are still a whole bunch of movies ahead of it in, in the domestic all time. Look at this. Whole ton of them. And I want you to get a sense of just how big that record is. That Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, making $936 million in the domestic box office alone beating out Endgame by like over $70 million, almost $80 million. And then Spider-Man No Way Home by, by more than $120 million. Like this is a record. I don't know that at least within the next 10 years, I don't know that that record for biggest domestic box office, even, I, here's a weird prediction. I believe the overall global box office record currently held by Avatar will be broken before this Star Wars Episode Seven. I would agree. I, I, I just don't know that any movie's ever going to beat it. Like, that record is, it's crazy. Even Endgame couldn't get to it. I mean, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, whew, oh, for no, domestic. The, uh, sorry, excuse me. The IMAX thing doesn't start until September 22nd. Okay. Which is weird. But is she, she Oh wait, I for whatever for whatever reason, I thought we were in October. <laughs> I thought September was last month. <laughs> yes, it has not happened yet. It happens mid month. Yeah. And the digital release is on September twelfth. Yep. And it has thirty extra minutes of footage that is included. And it so. finally passed Mario too. And it passed Wide. Mario. So is, is that IMAX re release added to its official or is that considered yes. something? Yep. If it's yeah. a theater, if it's in theaters, okay. it's it'll be considered. Okay. It'll go towards the pocket. I don't know how much it's going to make because again, it's coming out on home video. Right, yeah. right. But it'll make some, it'll, which is weird. I thought they would do the IMAX first and then the home video. So did I. I mean, that what would seem weird, to make uh, more sense. That would yeah. seem to make a lot more sense. But I guess they had to look and find when did they have some availability on the right. IMAX screens, I guess. I, 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 I'm just guessing, I suppose. Yeah. All right, what's next? All right. Um, a. Marcellus, I loved episode four, but it was also sad because it just made it more painful knowing that Ray Stevenson won't be around for more great performances. I mean, on the one hand, I mean, more great performances in general, yes. Uh, but we probably weren't going to see him again in Star Wars. I mean, uh, the odds are, mm -hmm. as they do, the villain is probably going to die at the end. I mean, I, I'm guessing Balin will probably die at the end. We weren't going to see him again anyway. But like overall, I recently saw a movie and now I'm trying to, let me see if I can find it. Uh, Hitman's Holiday. I think, I think this is the movie I'm thinking of. 
Yes. The Scott uh, Adkins, Adkins movie. Uh-huh. Hitman's Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. Um, it was weird. I, I wasn't familiar with the film. I wasn't aware of the movie. And Scott actually, Scott Adkins actually reached out to me personally. And is like, hey, can you check out this, this movie I just did? I'm like, oh, I, I wasn't even aware of it. And who else is in it? Ray Stevenson was in it. This was just a few months ago. You guys remember yeah, we yeah. had Scott on the show yeah. uh, to talk about it. But Ray Stevenson was in it. And he's great. He he was great in Dexter. He was great as uh, Volstagg. He was great in um, uh, Punisher. He was great in Rome. He was great. I mean, every every time he would pop up in something, he would be great. He would be great in it, even if it was something that was not so good. And um, it just sucks that... He gets to appear in something like a Star Wars property as a great villain. And he's not going to be able to enjoy the fruits of his labor. It's so sad, man. And you and you talked about just the character itself, about how it believes in that he's right, right? Like yeah. you were saying that earlier. The way he comes off when I say terrifying is there's this focus, but he's somewhat relaxed in it, meaning like as in like there's this confidence about him, but then at the same time, you don't know if he could just turn on you or whatever. It's just the way he plays the character. I'm like, I don't trust him, but I will follow this dude. Oh, if he t- it's you conviction, know. man. He's got conviction. Yeah, man. There's- he's he's motivated by his convictions, right. which is whew, makes it for a terrifying villain. All right. What's next? Okay. We got uh, King Daddy Goat. See the boss of contract. My man's got the bag. If I'm not mistaken. Are we talking about who? A basketball player? No, both on San, on the 49ers. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the dude's a beast. If I'm not mistaken. What does he play? A running back? No, no, no. Oh. I believe it's five years, $170 million for Bosa. That's it? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, I tell you what, he's a scary, scary man. He's a scary, scary Oh, he's scary a defensive man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's a scary man. All right, what's next? Okay, bye, right? Uh, what do you call a nun on a bike? Virgin Mobile. Okay, bye. Yeah, no, no. Okay. So What's next? Said it all. Suthius, he warned us. Uh, Suthius, this may just be me, but I wish there was less cutting when it comes to the lightsaber fights. Uh, the movies look great, though. The moves look great, though. You know what? I'm going to... Oh, yeah, moves look great. Normally, <laughs> I... Number one, I hate shaky camera. Like shaky camera is the number one enemy of good action scenes. And normally I also don't like a lot of quick, rapid editing. But in episode four, I found that the edits worked with the fight. There was um, there was a flow to it between the cuts, the movements, the music. And it seemed to be put together in this symphony of imagery and sound that really worked for me because normally I'm with you. Normally I don't like over editing in action sequences. I want to be able to see the action unfold. Just put the camera down in place, hit record and let me see this beautiful choreography. But I got, I got to say at least for episode four, to me, it worked very well. It, it, it was just one of those things where it, they had, they got their cadence. They found a flow the edits worked with the flow as opposed to working against the flow, which is what normally happens when you over edit those things. And listen, to be honest, I also think that sometimes fast editing and shaky camera is used to 
disguise, maybe the the action isn't as great as maybe they hoped it would. And maybe there is a little bit of that, but they used it well. And and for me, the end product was actually pretty, a pretty thrilling experience for me. All right, what's next? Fixter writes, bought tickets for 30 films at London Film Fest. Woo! Wow. Woo! That's going to take a number of, uh, how long is the London Film Fest? Yeah, I'm going to look that up. Now, I remember once I had 27 tickets at the San Diego International Film Festival. It Granted, seems long. It's October 4th to the 15th, so 11 days. Yeah, you got that. Okay, you can do that. Yep, yeah. you can do that. The three movies a day, roughly a little less than three movies a day. You can do that. Um, you can. Now, I didn't pay for those <laughs> 27 tickets at the San Diego Film Festival because I had I had also had a film in the festival, so I got a complimentary ticket to all the screenings. But, mm. um, I yeah, I couldn't do that. As big of a movie fan as I am, I, I could not do... Uh, 30 films in like 11 days. I just couldn't do it. I don't think I could. My ass would be too <laughs> sore. Even do but I hope you have a great time, man. That's awesome. All right. What's next? All uh, right. We got Robert who writes, ever seen the final girls underrated horror movie? Uh, I'll the go final one further. Girls. I've never even heard of it. Yeah. I've never even heard nope. of it. Me Unfortunately. Either. I'm looking at right. pictures and I'm like, man, I've never seen this. All right. What's um, next? Cause cinema writes, some Ahsoka fun facts, skull and Hati are from Norse mythology. Two wolves who seek uh, to start Ragnarok and Marok is an Arthurian knight turned into a wolf. Interesting. Mm. That is interesting. I like that. You know, that is a Star Wars thing. Like going back, George Lucas liked to take influences and kind of pepper them into uh, Star Wars as well. So it's not surprising that a Dave Filoni would do something like that as well. But I, I think that is fascinating. I'm glad you wrote that in and shared that, man. All right, what's next? Okay, we got uh, G-Dog. Uh, uh, we all be on the Star Wars board uh, if they decide to make a multiverse with a different reality with a new timeline. No, yeah. that would be pathetic. That would be absolutely 100% pathetic. I, I, again, I look, I hate multiverse and time travel and all that kind of stuff. It is the most pathetically fucking lazy things you can do as a writer or creator. It's it's awful. Now, look, the most awful stuff can have good examples. Like, I, I hate time travel, but hey, you got Back to the Future. It's awesome. Star Trek Episode Four, um, The Voyage Home is a good use of it. Uh, I, I generally find multidimensional stuff to be stupid, but hey, you had Spider-Man No Way Home, which leveraged it very, very well. I mean, there are some isolated pocket examples of stuff that I'll, I'll really enjoy. But overall, I just think it's pathetic. I really do. I think it's desperate and pathetic, and I really hope they don't go that way. You know what they're going to call it? What's that? The Darth Multiverse. Nice. <laughs> <sighs> the Multiverse. All right, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. You know, it's The Multiverse. Really, yeah, yeah, baby. All right, like, all right, I see it. Different, okay. I see you. Come on. All right. What's next? TJ Perry writes, love Rosario Dawson, but anyone else notice she's not crazy athletic? The soft saber taps looking like dancing rather than sword fighting. Um, I, I don't know. They I, it's look good to me. Yeah. Didn't she do like some sort of athletic stuff? And remember the rundown when she was up? She did some action stuff, right? She did a fight scene in there. You're talking about a movie that was like almost 20 I years know, ago. I know, but it was like a good movie. <laughs> you know, 20 years ago, she was really fit. I haven't, 
I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't noticed. No, you know what? Anne's noticed. Anne's like, she runs funny. Remember Anne? You're right. Anne's like, she runs kind of funny, but I don't know. Let's I, be fair. She's wearing this thing on her head. I mean. She's wearing this giant thing on her head. can't fall off, you know? Come caked on. in makeup and all this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, come on, man. See. And who knows? Maybe a, a stunt person's in there doing it. I, I, I don't. Look, all I'm going to say, I'm not trying to discredit what you said. Not at all. I'm just saying I haven't noticed that myself. I think the way it's, I think it's worked. And hey, you know what? I was just talking about it. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they use some quicker editing to maybe cover up and hide some of the, maybe weak, maybe she's not like a trained saber fighter. Okay. So use some creative editing and camera positions to, to heighten and make it look a little bit better. Maybe. Yeah. I'm more bothered by her slower moves. Yeah. yeah I'm more bothered by her arm crossing, to be honest <laughs> with you. All right. What's next? Uh, Connor Dorian writes, I uh, just thought you should know that Netflix has been revealing their viewership of their movies and TV shows on their website. Interesting. Wait a second. What they've been doing? What? Reveal. Uh, let's see. Uh, revealing their, their viewership. viewership. On their oh. Yeah. On their website. Yeah. I mean, that's, that has been a big criticism. Now. Who's to say that's accurate? Yeah. There's a couple things. Is that being um, vetted? I doubt it. Number two, how do you define, this has been some that's been bad with the streamers. How do you define a view, right? Because all the streamers have different formulas for determining what is a view. Remember Netflix used to have this thing. You could have had a two hour long movie. If somebody watched two minutes, it counted as a view. So, I mean, that's cool. But like Chris Carr often points out on the show, one of the problems that like, say the Actors Guild has with some like Netflix is they don't have real true transparency. They don't actually let people know really what the numbers are. What is their formula? How are they get, uh, getting those numbers? And what does it mean? It's so, I can tell you that um, I win a factor of seven of my poker hands that I play when I go to play poker. Good night, everybody. It's like, well, wait, wait a minute. Okay, what does a factor of seven mean? Don't worry about it. But I want a factor of seven, right? So it, without that transparency, the numbers almost become meaningless. But hey, listen, good first step. Let's see what happens with a little bit later. I do like their top 10 thing. You know, like so oh, it's, it's, every yeah. now and then it's pointed me to a show that I probably never would never. Right, but that has on. nothing to do with the actual viewer numbers, right? That has nothing to do with telling us what is the actual number oh, of people watching is, these. Isn't that 10 based on the hours of numbers that they, it, well, they it's only on? telling you what's the 10, but what is the number of those? 10, oh yeah. Right? No, no, no. I, it's, it's just helped me through that way. Yeah. No. And I like that. I like that. They have their, their yeah. top 10 up there in their uh, interface. I like it's It's very helpful. All right, guys. Oh, or did we, um, no, that was it. No, that was it. Okay, I was right. That will do it for today's installment of Open Mic. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it. And all of us involved here with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Don't forget, guys, come on back and join us again tomorrow for all the new adventures we're going to be going on. So for Ray Aura, the Darth Multiverse, the baby. Multiverse, uh, Jonathan Boyko. <laughs> well, I'm tuning in for that. <laughs> my name's John Gampy, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>